Hello, hello. This is the inaugural episode of Nacho Average Sportscast on Anchor. We are coming back to our sports roots. I'm your host, uh, Nacho. And um, we wanted to give a little recap. We started this project on SoundCloud um, as kind of a wing of our other podcast series, which focuses more on diverse artists, intersectionality of political and social justice, um, but also being a, and raised as an incredibly astute sports fan, if I do say so myself, uh, you know, I attempted to start a new wing, and I interviewed my brother, I interviewed my father, and, you know, we got to the root of our personal sports fandom, Bay Area to New York sports. Um, this was during the 2017 NBA Finals. We were talking Dub Nation. We were talking other Oakland sports teams. The takeaway uh, from the first discussion with my brother is that from the amateur to pro level, sports is about building community. And so that's why we're taking the time to use Anchor um, to exclusively talk about sports. Um, as a wing of Nacho Podcasts. And in the episode where I interviewed my father, you know, we kind of touched upon this idea of sports as live theater, his personal athletic experiences um, in high school and college, and somewhat of a folktale of the time that he outdrank Minute Bull. Yes, if you can believe it, my 5'5 Puerto Rican father outdrank uh, Mr. 7'3 Sudanese Minute Bull. Um, and at that time also we were, we were just, uh, talking about how KD was saying that Kyrie was better than Allen Iverson and whether we agreed with that or not. Um, but we were forecasting the Kyrie Irving trade as well before ultimately he was shipped to Boston for Isaiah Thomas. Um, a quick M, you know, sports in review, year in review, if you will, uh, the main highlights being Kyrie to Boston, so much more NBA activity in the offseason, of course, but then in baseball, the Astros won the World Series in seven over the Dodgers, and, you know, Philly being on fire, shout out to the Eagles, shout out to Villanova, and all the Philly fans going wild, um, in the next segment after this clip is over, we are going to talk about how, how and why we where we are in the calendar is important for picking up this new wing of Nacho Podcast. So please stay tuned and thanks for listening. Holla holla. And I guess, uh, you know, being new to Anchor, just really kind of uh, appreciating how it works. Um, I saw that it goes to three minute increments and then it just keeps going. So we're just going to keep going. Thank you for your patience and tuning in. We're really happy to have whoever's tuning in. Um, where we are now in the calendar, NBA Conference Finals 2018, the NFL Draft just happened. Um, full disclosure, you know, whether you uh, kind of picked up on it in the last few minutes or not, this is a bi-coastal podcast because I am a bi-coastal host. Uh, I have New York roots on my father's side. But I was born in California, raised in the West, and you know I wear a lot of Warriors gear out here. A lot of I lot of I wear a lot of West Coast gear out here. A's, you know, uh, my West Coast teams are definitely 
A's Warriors, and although I was born in Oakland, um, because of my brother's influence, I was raised a 49ers fan, and I could get into that. Um, you know, you can also go back and listen to the first episode we recorded on SoundCloud under the wing of Uncle Nacho's um, and Nacho Podcasts. But um, basically, you know, my brother was born in 1977, and he did start out as a Raiders fan until they moved to Los Angeles. What happens is then the Raiders come back to Oakland, but only in the condition of building Mount Davis in the Coliseum, when the old Coliseum had a beautiful view outside of center field. And when no one sits in those seats and, you know, the cost, the the revenue it took, and to make up for that, Basically, there was a clause and Al Davis had impact on taxpayers of the city of Oakland in order to recoup his loss. You know, the taxpayers had to pay more basically for the Raiders to not take the L when they should have just taken the L. And, you know, you can look up, do your own research. But based on this political, you know, uh, these political happenings... My brother, you know, saw the Raiders as being Fugazi, you know, and at the same time, because no one was sitting there and because the revenue wasn't there, then the Raiders were being blacked out on local television. So then people couldn't even watch their local games. And at the same time, you know, the 80s was also the heyday of Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. So early 90s, Steve Young. So my brother was, you know, raised me, uh, influenced me to be a Niners fan. But of course, my New York roots, as I mentioned, my father, since he was born in 63, um, he was seven, eight years old when the Knicks won those two championships. Phil Jackson's coming off the bench. You had Willis Reed, you had Walt Clyde Frazier, Dave DeBusher, Bill Bradley, all these cats when the garden was Eden, as they say. Um, And so, of course, I grew up a Knicks fan actually before the Warriors because when I was a kid, the Warriors were trash. And anytime I wear my Warriors gear out here and people always try to, like, test me, I I always got a counter, you know? You always have to. My counter is this, like, and this is how I test real Warrior fans, people who wear gear, uh, even out here. And I'm like, I, I frame it as a question now. I'm like, yo, win or lose, when we hit 100 points in the early 2000s, what would we get? And the hint is a coupon. And the answer is, Chalupas, all right? Win or lose, the Warriors were so bad that if we had 100 points, and I remember going to these games with my father and my brother, yo, we would be down to the Phoenix Suns by 20 points, but we were sitting on 98, and we wanted Chalupas. So win or lose, we'd just be like, Chalupas, Chalupas, Chalupas. Those were the fucking days. So, you know, if you can name me a Vontigo Cummings, an O'Donnell Foyle, an Eric Dampier, a Bobby Sura, then, you know, I got a little respect. But, you know, you know, and then we could really delve into the We Believe Warriors, Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson, Monte Ellis. But before we even get to that shit, like, I don't think you're a real Warrior fan if you only know Draymond and Steph and Durant and Clay. Like, I love those guys, too. But you ain't got the backstory, bro. Um... All that's to say is, you know, we got to really have context. This show is all about context. I'm going to be just coming at it from all different angles. 
Uh, I call it Nacho Average Sports because it's really for anybody. It's for anyone who uh, considers themselves, you know, uh, really in tuned with sports culture and sports history. And it's also for people who maybe are not into sports, don't give a damn about sports, but maybe, maybe there's some information here. Uh, the intersections with your political leanings, your pop culture uh, enthusiasm, that maybe uh, you are, you know, have the possibility to be intrigued by what we're talking about on this show. I'm also um, really just letting myself go, you know, just full disclosure, when I do most of my other podcasts, I'm interviewing other people. I'm interviewing folks and then I'm editing what they're saying to make it as condensed as possible and concise. I try to get rid of all the ums and clicks and da-da-da-da-da. But shout out to Anchor because I'm just free-flowing. And I think this is the best way for me to just get all all my energy out when it comes to sports because I've been raised on sports since since I was born, you know, uh, my father's side of the family is in the music industry, um, you know, my father would be on the road a lot, but my earliest memories were getting up at 6, 7 in the morning, say goodbye to Pops before he went on a road trip, and Sports Center was on, you know, 7 o'clock Sports Center, shout out to Stuart Scott, you know, talk about waking up on the cooler side of the pillow, like, that was my shit, um, and, you know, those... Those teams, the, the, the intersectionality actually between the Warriors and Knicks is where I kind of came into consciousness as a sports team, right? As a sports fan, rather. Um, when Latrell Sprewell choked out P.J. Carlissimo as a member of the Warriors, ultimately being suspended, ultimately getting shipped to the New York Knicks, start sporting the, the cornrows, baby. And that 1999 Knicks team... Um, you know, it also helped I had an incredible godfather that would send me uh, mad gear. So even though I was in the West, I was sporting mad like jer- like Jets jerseys. I had my Curtis Martin on. Uh, my main man was Allen Houston. I would always rock the number 20 road jersey Knicks. He hits that shot in Miami in game five. You know, the Knicks were an eighth seed in 99, man. We made it all the way to the finals, and that was when the Spurs and Popovich and Duncan's boring ass won their first and Avery Johnson. And But we had nobody. I mean, remember, you would be Miami in five. Fuck Alonzo Mourning and all that shit. My man Jeff Van Gundy was on the floor biting ankles as a coach. What NBA coach does that nowadays? Jeff Van Gundy just makes a fool of himself on ABC, but shout out to him. And um, as a commentator with Mark Jackson, poor Mark. But, you know, that fucking, the Knicks go on to, to beat the Pacers, and LJ hits that four point play over Antonio Davis, and, you know, Reggie Miller, and oh man, like that 1999 Knicks team just was everything, was completely everything. And, and, and you know, at the same time, like, I was aware of, you know, when Sean Elliott hit that shot over Rasheed Wallace, that's the same year, and the Spurs were making their run. And ultimately, when they beat the Knicks, man, we had no Patrick Ewing. We had a young Marcus Camby. LJ was hurt. We had Chris Dudley. I mean, come on, man. Chris Dudley, the guy who threw a ball at Shaq's, the back of Shaq's head or something like that, couldn't make a free throw, even a worse free throw shooter than Shaq, if you can believe it. But we had nobody. I mean, my guys, you know, we had Charlie Ward, even though my guy was Chris Childs, legend, punch Kobe in the mouth. Um... We're just gonna keep it going. I just, I'm just unraveling and unfurling all types of tidbits here about my own sports context, um, and it might be, you know, 
kind of like an alarming, uh, maybe not so much if you really know me, but just because most of my other podcasts really are, you know, being from the Bay Area, I definitely was my mother's influence on me uh, as being a, a agent of social change, as an activist. So a lot, you know, the Uncle Nacho show and my other podcasts where I feature a lot of musicians, artists, filmmakers, um, influencers, muralists, you know, people who are just doing the damn thing and impacting um, society in a very creative way. You know, this, though, sports is in my everyday, too. You know, shout out, I'm always on my Bleacher Report, you know, uh, app, as sensationalist as they are, you know, I still, I think that, like, they're the number one go-to in uh, today's society for just um, tapping into sports. You know, it's like a fucking just like on stat you know you just like intravenously just like absorb it into my veins so um you know we wanted to just uh touch upon anything else happening in the calendar of course the nba lottery just happened phoenix suns are gonna get the number one pick apparently that kid luka Doncic or whatever his name is might stay in europe whatever i don't know if he's that great anyway um Shout out to Game of Zones, though. I've always been a fan of Game of Zones for a while. They are funny as hell, bizarre as hell, and I just hope they keep going. Um, shout out to my best friend, OG. We have hopefully can have him on the show. We have a lot of tales, but Ben, Ruffman, Cohen, we have a, a plethora of inside jokes, and one of them is that Game of Zones is just actually going to like take over what game what <laughs> game of thrones <laughs> was meant to be like pop culture relevance wise like people just forget game of thrones and game of zones will be what everyone remembers <laughs> uh ha 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 whether that's funny to you or not it was a joke between us my friend and i anyway moving on um we're getting to the pillars now so you know i recapped all the stuff that i thought was worthy of recapping but let's get back. Let's get to the nitty-gritty, all right? Already going on uh, 14 minutes and change here, so. But if you're listening, you like that I'm talking your ear off. La, 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 la. Um, but, yo, so the pillars of this show, right? I figured that, like, on a weekly basis, if I can actually keep it up on a weekly basis, because when I started this a year ago, I interviewed my brother and my father, and I meant to interview, like, my boy Ben and maybe get some other folks on the show, but it just takes a lot, you know? And I... Also, just like uh, having, you know, emphasis on the other shows I mentioned, the interviews, which you, you know, I also recommend you checking out, you know, if you're not an average sports fan, maybe you'd be into the intersectionality of social justice and race and everything else I'm talking about on my other platform. But, um, you know, when I thought about how to make this show consistent, I thought the easiest way was to create some pillars. So pillars uh of this show are different themes i have titles for them we have in the paint which will be our current event section we have lost art of the mid-range jumper where we'll get into some history we have beyond the arc where that's the intersectionality of sports and pop culture news we have out of left field that section is reserved for bizarre shit we have the mendoza line where we talk disappointment in sports we have Hail Mary, who's desperate right now in sports. We have Hole in One, who's nailing it right now. We also have Hat Trick, which will be a combo of either three items or events we're looking forward to. 
And then we have our next show goals and anticipating events and news that will be uh, the topics for the next show. So this week, uh, in the paint, hopping right into it, the Dubs and Rockets are tied at 1-1. The Celtics are up 2-0 on Bronny um, in the conference finals of the National Basketball Association. Um, as we kind of just transition from that topic into Lost Art of the Mid-Range Jumper, because I kind of want to just run through these pillars. We'll flush them out, you know, week by week as they go on. Some some pillars might get more attention than others based on, you know, just the gravitational pull of the sports world, if you will. Um, and I think right now the Lost Art of the Mid-Range Jumper has a lot more context because... We look back at the last time LeBron was down 0-2 in a conference finals, and that was against the Boston Celtics 10 years ago. And my, my, how the NBA has changed since then. I mean, that was a year before LeBron ultimately left Cleveland. Um, but we look at, you know, players who were on that squad who beat him. Rajon Rondo was the mercurial point guard who, you know, was leading the way with all his all-star Hall of Fame teammates in Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, um, and now Rondo's on the Pelicans, you know. Um, Kendrick Perkins, who was the starting center on that team, was ultimately traded to uh, the Thunder for Jeff Green. And thank God that happened because, you know, Jeff Green, uh, no one maybe would have found out his heart condition in time. And so that trade possibly saved his life. Um, and the Thunder were obviously looking to bolster their roster since they had Ibaka, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. All those guys were on the same team at once. All those guys went to the NBA Finals, lost in five when LeBron won his first one in Miami 2012. Um, the trade made a lot of sense, right, for the Thunder at that time. Um, but Jeff Green went to the Celtics, and now both Jeff Green and Kendrick Perkins are on the Cleveland Cavaliers as we come back to our modern day Kendrick Perkins doesn't play he just rides the bench and apparently gets into fight with Drake on the sideline in Toronto um, but you know can't really blame Perk as much as you can blame Drake because Drake just seems to randomly get into fights or intentionally get into fights with people named Kendrick in general so maybe you should watch himself Mr. Champagne Poppy um, but you know Jeff Green has a little role on the Cavs, you know, shout out to him, glad that he's healthy, um, but you know, look at where Doc, where's Doc, Doc Rivers is still in the Clippers, I guess he's going to get an extension, whatever that means, they're doomed forever as far as I'm concerned, but then you look at Chris Paul, right, who was on the Clippers, LeBron's boy, and now he's on the Rockets, and now he's with Mike D'Antoni, and Mike D'Antoni, the seven seconds or less offense and how the Warriors really took that. Remember, Steve Kerr was the GM of those Phoenix Suns teams when Mike D'Antoni was coaching. D'Antoni goes to the Knicks, and his first year as the Knicks, they wanted to draft Curry, but Don Nelson said, skirt. He takes Curry with the seventh pick. The Knicks draft Jordan Hill, and who was the ninth pick for the Toronto Raptors? DeMar DeRozan. The Knicks could have drafted DeMar DeRozan in 2009. By golly. And they, of course, did not. Um, same thing as when they drafted Ronaldo Balkman one spot ahead of Rajon Rondo. Oh, man. 
And, uh, you know, shout out to Game of Zones because they, they uh, recently, this week, um, recapped some of those, those god, god-awful, ghostly decisions uh, on behalf of the New York Knicks and the Isaiah Thomas era and da-da-da-da-da. But that was also not even Isaiah. That was Donnie Walsh, you know. Donnie Walsh also didn't do what he had to do, I think. Um, mortgaging Wilson Chandler and... Daniel Gallinari for Carmelo Anthony. God, what a mistake that was. Should have just kept those guys. Should have built around Amari Stoudemire. But you know what? In the grand scheme of things, who knows? If none of those things happen, maybe the, you know, uh, Linsanity never happens. And, you know, Jeremy Lin ultimately goes to the Rockets to join, you know, uh, actually, no, not to join D'Antoni. The fact that D'Antoni is now coaching James Harden and the Rockets. And Jeremy Lin is back in New York, but irrelevant in the NBA. And that's all happened in the last five years. It's incredible how fast, you know, players and coaches and positionality and, um, I don't know, like, those who are acknowledged and aren't acknowledged from a year-to-year basis change, um, can change quite drastically. And then you also have the people who are just consistently on the scene, right? Um, but as D'Antoni said himself, you know, these Warriors when they were, were the ones who kind of brought him out of the grave. You know, they were the first team to sh- prove that a jump-shooting team could win a championship. Um, yeah, and, um, you know, just gathering thoughts, looking over um, what's next on our, our columns, our, our pillars of discussion here. We have uh, Beyond the Arc. And when we think about beyond the arc, obviously the Rockets are a team that live and die by the three more than the Warriors do. Um, and I don't know if, you know, I, I assume James Harden is going to be the MVP this year. Um, but it seemed a little preemptive that Adidas, his company, put, made a shoe that already put MVP on the sole of the shoe. Hopefully that wasn't a jinx. Um, but also since Beyond the Arc is our sports and pop culture news segment, we shout out Donald Glover on SNL doing that skit about LeBron James and the Cavs and his lack of supporting cast. Definitely funny if you want to check that out. Also, Bleacher Report um, actually just came out with a segment today on uh, LeBron James' all-time worst supporting cast. And whether the cast he has now is worse than the team he took to the finals 11 years ago. The first time he went when he had uh, Larry Hughes and Sasha Pavlovich and Isajunas Ogalskis and who else? I don't know on those squads, but they got swept in four. Um, yeah, moving on. Um, out of left field, the bizarre shit that happens. You know, I don't know if this is so much bizarre as just. Uh, poignant because whether this guy should come out of left field because he's just been on the bench uh or maybe me even just you know suggesting this is out of left field but where is larry nance jr like larry nance jr played i thought pretty well when he was traded from the lakers to the Cavs this season and tyron lu has not played the young man this whole playoffs I honestly think, you know, J.R. Smith is is not the not the not the reliable guy you ever need. Um, you know, I, I don't know why they give him so much time. 
Um, George Hill should probably get some more time. Of you know, the Cavs are just a mess in general. You have Tristan Thompson cheating on Khloe Kardashian while she's pregnant, but he's getting playing time. Kevin Love is not uh, at all uh, reliable. Kyle Korver maybe is the most reliable, but out of a team of guys who just like no one can really count on. Why don't you let the young man who can jump out of the building get some time? Like, Larry Nance can fly almost over anyone in the league. He can dunk on anyone. And also, there's, like, the magic there. Like, his dad was an all-time Cleveland Cavalier. I don't understand why we're not giving him any time. Um, And I'm not even a Cavs fan. You know, it's just I think Larry Nance could make a difference in the playoffs because the Cavs are down 0-2. because the Celtics just have so much length. You need someone else that can, like, at least, you know, jump and vie for a position on the on the boards. And, you know, in the, the Mendoza line segment of this show, the disappointment in sports, the disappointment is Tyron Lue. The fact that he hasn't really, you know, yo, bro, everyone's pretty sure LeBron's going to walk away from Cleveland. Like, if I were you, I'd make some desperate shakeups. I'd do some drastic shit and, like, Throw in Larry Nance Jr. Why not? Throw in Larry Nance. He deserves time. Um, and I don't know, you know, who else is... Now we we jump into the Hail Mary section. Who's desperate? I mean, I hate to say LeBron is desperate because I also, you know, maybe on the court for what it's worth, for what it means to him to, to keep playing in Cleveland. Um, you know, either he's got to win uh and stay or you know he's also perhaps desperate on the flip side just to get the fuck out of cleveland (laughs) you know again unfortunately and all that that brings um you know i think more than ever i've had a lot more respect for lebron uh in terms of the the caliber player he is and really understanding that since jump he's never really been a shoot first player unlike jordan unlike kobe he's more magic johnson with his incredible passing ability Um, And that, to me, is a testament to his greatness. I also don't think that at this stage of uh, his career, when I say his, I'm actually referring to Michael Jordan. Jordan never had to contend with the type of teams that LeBron is facing with the lack of talent that LeBron had. Jordan also always had a great coach. He had Phil Jackson. And he always had Pippen. He had Tony Kukoc. He had other like strong veterans like Ron Harper and Horace Grant. You know, in the early '90s, of course. But even um, in the later '90s, you know, Steve Kerr was on those teams. I don't know. You know, LeBron. LeBron doesn't have. You know, I'm yawning because it's just like it's amazing how we'll never. LeBron will never really get the respect because he'll never have the six titles to match Jordan. But at the same time, Jordan never went to, what, seven straight finals? Who knows if, you know, he retired to play baseball because he wanted to personally. Maybe the mafia, you know, they did kill his father. Um, you know, a lot of shady shit. The one thing in 90s basketball that we were all deprived of was Rockets Bulls. You know, Hakeem the Dream. And and it would have been that 84 draft, you know. Hakeem went number one. Unfortunately, Sam Bowie to Portland went number two. Portland also missed out on Kevin Durant when uh, when they chose to draft Greg Oden uh, in 07 or whatever. 
Um, but, you know, the third pick in the 84 draft is obviously Michael Jordan. And so the Rockets and Bulls in the 90s, we never got to see that matchup. But, um, you know, so maybe maybe Jordan would have gone to seven or eight finals consecutively, but it didn't happen. And even if he had, he would have had a much better supporting cast consistently than LeBron's had. Um, LeBron's taken a tough road to leave Miami, come back to Cleveland and make it happen, and then ultimately alienating Kyrie. Um, But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens if Cleveland bounces back. If they bounce back, um, they have to win game three. If they lose game three, then I think it's either going to be a sweep or a gentleman's sweep in five. And, um, you know, how about this Boston Celtics team, though, without Gordon Hayward, without Kyrie Irving? Brad Stevens, you got to give him, you know, a huge, huge uh, tip of the hat. And, you know, that'll just transition into our um, hole-in-one. Who's nailing it right now? You got to give it to Brad Stevens, you know. And even though he downplays it, um, and yes, his players definitely deserve the recognition but Brad Stevens took those Butler teams to back-to-back NCAA championships yes he lost to Duke and UConn but who saw that and now for him to just the job security that he has in Boston um, having Danny Ainge doing his thing you know Boston's gonna be good for a long time Jason Tatum's a rookie Jalen Brown's a second year man um my man Terry Rozier's getting off I always knew young boy could be a scorer but he's you know, I, I, I don't think any, under any other coach, Terry Rozier would play as um, controlled. And Brad Stevens seems to do that with all his point guards. You know, he, he seems to be able to develop a type of composure for his guys that not many other coaches can. Um, and so these guys are going to be good for a while, man. It's going to be interesting. You know, I think the Celtics are going to make the finals. I don't think they are going to beat Houston or the Golden State, depending on who makes it out of the West. But. Um, maybe next year, you know, it's going to be, it's not a bad problem to have all that depth because you're going to have Gordon Hayward start at the three, but Jalen Brown has been starting at the three. I don't know if he's really a stretch for, of course, Al Horford, Boricua has been holding it down. He's really more of a stretch for, but he can play the five. You're going to have Kyrie at the one, Jason Tatum at the two. Um, and I guess Terry Rozier has just come off the bench with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's been playing out of his mind. Always liked the kid and his tenacity on defense since yeah, he attended Oklahoma State. Um, but sticking with our hole-in-one, who else is nailing it? Although it was a couple weeks back, we got to give a shout-out because we ride or die for the A's. Sean Manaya having a hell of a season thus far. Hopefully he gets a nod to the All-Star game. Um, and, of course, Triple G. It's unfortunate that as boxing fans, we were robbed of seeing Canelo Alvarez and Triple G for the rematch because Canelo said he ate some meat, tainted meat in Mexico that had the steroids and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Triple G just keeps fighting people and kicking their ass, and he's ready whenever, anytime, anywhere. So hopefully in September we'll get that rematch when Canelo comes down off the steroids and you know, hopefully Adelaide Bird won't be judging that fight because she totally ruined the last fight. It's the only reason why Canelo Alvarez didn't lose on the scoring card. It's because Adelaide Bird was on the best drugs none of us have ever experienced. Um, And they should not let her 
and it sucks because I don't, you know, women should definitely be allowed to be judges on scoring cards. But whether you're a woman or a man, you shouldn't be. You should know that the fight. You should be. You should be aware of the fight you're watching, and whether or not you lean towards a certain boxer or not, or not you shouldn't make it so obvious. <laughs> you know, it's like it almost seemed like Canelo Alvarez's camp was like. Maybe she was taking steroids with, you know, who knows? Maybe Adelaide Byrd and Canelo Alvarez, conspiracy theory, you know, they're steroid buddies. I have no idea, but all I know is the next time he faces Triple G, it'll be, um, they need more uh, fair judges on that fight, and then it'll prove who the real champion is. Um, We're looking forward to, uh, you know, we're looking at now just moving on to the last few little pillars and segments of the show before we wrap up. Um, Our hat trick, you know, we're looking towards the uh, conference finals, the West and the East. Um, And, uh, you know, also I guess the last thing is, you know, we're looking forward to just being consistent on this show. We hope that whoever listens to this that you're appreciating it, but we're going to try to just be as consistent as possible with this show and um you know we also want to give our heartfelt um you know prayer uh, rest in peace to Siddiqui Fuller who is actually the Warriors mascot known as Thunder from 1997 to 2002 and I personally remember him when I was a youth camper at Warriors camp um practicing at their facility where they still practice um at the top of the marriott in downtown oakland and i remember sadiki's fuller's voice uh but you know he was always wearing that big muscly blue mascot um you know costume and athletic as hell just dunking off trampolines doing all types of stuff but then like he always caught me off guard with that high-pitched voice (laughs) Uh, but Siddiqui Fuller, man, you know, rest in peace. Um, you know, when the Supersonics left Seattle and moved to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder, it's the reason why the Warriors lost uh, our mascot. We weren't allowed, Thunder wasn't allowed to be around anymore. And I think there was some funny thing where the Warriors had like, um, you know, like a preseason training camp in China and. Uh, somebody dressed up as Thunder out there, and that was the last time we've seen Thunder. So maybe the spirit of Thunder is, um, you know, whether it's in the far west or the far east, the spirit of Thunder is all around us. We give a heartfelt rest in peace and prayer to Siddiqui Fuller, who just passed away this week. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to next week and our show goals and anticipating um, what the next uh, topics will be. Like we said, we just want to be consistent on this platform. We want to give a shout-out, or I want to give a shout-out to Anchor. When I say we, it's me, myself, and I, you know, so don't worry. It's multiple personality um, order, not disorder. Organization of multiple personalities. (laughs) Anyway, ending this show on a funny vibe, but... um, Thank you for listening, whoever you are. It's 35 minutes and counting, you know. Shout out to you. Shout out to your consistency to stay with it and listen to my voice. Um, this has been an experiment. We're going to try to cut down on the timing of Not Your Average Sportscast so it's more condensed and concise. But thanks for listening in, and we're going to sign off. Um, catch you next time. Much love. Peace.